Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, a podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent, and I'm here today with David. Hello. And I got myself a Chris. Hey. And we're going to be talking about things we've been watching lately, and follow it up with some news, and then we're going to tell you what to go see at the movie theater this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to do something I never do and go first. Cool. So I watched a few movies this week. Uh, I know you all have seen some of these. I finally saw Sorry to Bother You. Nice. Ah, nice. That movie was really fun. <laughs> yeah. That that movie was, I described it like, it was like being in a race car without a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, wee for like two hours and it careens off in random directions that you are not <laughs> expecting. Um, in a way, it's like, it's imperfection is what makes it fun to me. Like, the just the way, like, they're not worried about tying things together so much as just, like, what's next? Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it is a really fun movie. It's kind of like, here's 30 years worth of ideas. <laughs> it's like, should we bear, pare it down? It's like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. We still have things to say about labor and America. And memes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's in, so instead of like saying like, because I, I thought okay, they're gonna really try to make a big cohesive statement about like being black in the workplace and whatnot, and uh, but they've got more to say than that, and they they they're like, well, we we mostly made our point about that. We'll move on. We got more <laughs> stuff to do here. Um, <laughs> it was really fun. Well, real great cast. Yeah. in that movie, excellent cast. Yeah, um, Tessa Thompson is. Fantastic, she is Man, excellent. As her always. her uh, visual performance thing, where she does the the batteries from Africa and the bullet shell casings, <laughs> and the monologue from the Last Dragon, the Motown <laughs> produced Last Dragon. <laughs> oh yeah, and then of course the the huge turn that movie takes, which I had not heard about, and it's it's insane that I did not hear about. This. Same with me, and I, I protected it uh, also. Not that I'm. A spoiler sensitive, but it is kind of <laughs> bizarre. I had to actually rewind it because I thought, I, I went, wait, what? <laughs> what? What is this? Did this really happen? <laughs> did, did Hulu start playing a David Lin, a David Cronenberg movie? <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird, but man, it's it is um, definitely one of the most recommendable movies of the year for me, just because it's. Uh, I mean. You're not, gonna, you're not going to see anything else like it. Yeah, yeah I'm having, uh, um, you know, we're having our top ten lists come out next week through the podcast. I'm having a tough time placing that right now. There's times where it's like in my top five and then completely outside when I just think about it day to day. And on the one hand, it's like it's unbelievably original voice in that movie. On the other hand, I do think there's valid criticism that it is super sloppy movie. Sure. But, you know... I think it, it's I I still praise it not necessarily for its execution but for its ambition mm-hmm. because that's what I want more movies to do yeah is to just go for it and I want it to embolden more first time directors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to like you don't have to wait to make your movie like and you know just grind out these smaller indies until you've got the budget or the notoriety to to make something big and then make your movie like start strong. Yeah, and I kind of this may not make my top ten for the year, um, but at the same time, I want everybody to see this movie because there's a strong chance it can make a lot of people's top tens 
uh, for 2018. If, if there was a top ten interesting oh, movies sure. of the year, this is certainly up there. Yeah, if we had some kind of like artisanal awards, like <laughs> most ambitious or, or craziest execution, most bonkers movie of the year. Yeah, I think that's the. the I think I uh, used the word bonkersness in my in my review on Letterboxd when I saw it. It it was the most bonkers movie I'd seen this year, and uh, until I saw another movie, <laughs> which was. So weird, but uh, but so if if we could ever get uh, cast to give us her list, her list is pretty much that <laughs> every year. Like we'll watch some movie with cast, and she's like, "I want to see a fucking weird movie." Yeah. <laughs> That's why her her top three right now, in no particular order, is like Mandy, "Sorry to Bother You," and Tully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, my wife and I started watching this movie together, and then we. Both got really tired, went to bed at like really like forty five minutes into it, maybe thirty minutes into it. And uh I the next day finished it without her and she said, So how was it? I said, It is very different after the point we stopped watching. Is, I watched a whole nother movie. Um I was like, I'm not even gonna describe it for you. It's just it is out there. Um I hope she finishes it. So I'd love to hear just her, I mean, she, she has to just blindly agree with you <laughs> when yeah. she finishes it. Um, also watched uh, the movie A Simple Favor, which has Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was like early 2018 that it came out. You know, I kind of missed it when it came out. I remember hearing a few good things, but mm-hmm. I, I completely missed its theatrical run. Um, the trailers make it made it look like super vanilla. It kind of turned me off a little bit. Yes, and they also make it seem like a comedy, which it's it's not really a comedy. It's uh, it's not exactly dramatic either. It's just sort of a a light toned um, thriller, mystery thriller. Okay, where um, it doesn't take itself very seriously. It's the kind of movie where if, like. If some character gets shot, you don't instantly fear for their life. You just—it's more of the the kind of movie where the character would be like, "Ow, that really hurt," or something. So it's sort of jokey in that re- regard, mm-hmm. but not—it's not a real funny movie. But it's a very enjoyable movie. It's very entertaining. Um, I liked it. It's uh, it's about Anna Kendrick as a single mom and her son. Uh, has a classmate whose uh, mother is played by Blake Lively, and she uh, works in New York City. She has a very busy job. She is a um, like drinks all afternoon and whatnot, and so she's a very different vibe from what Anna Kendrick, which is like trying to be super mom. She's a vlogger and uh, mommy vloggers. She's a mommy vlogger. I got the uh, the the take that Blake Lively is kind of aspirational for. Anna Kendrick. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they become sort of fast friends, and then just a couple of weeks after after uh, they become close, Blake Lively asks uh, Anna Kendrick's character to pick up her son from school that day, and uh, she immediately goes missing. And so it's sort of about, about how all that unfolds. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's like Gone Girl, but much, much lighter. I'm just kidding. Um, and what was that? The 
A simple favor. A simple favor. It's one of those like generic titles. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's weird to me. I think that that uh, Blake Lively's career is interesting. Uh, I know that she was as soapy as um, Gossip Girl is. She's mm-hmm. great in it, mm-hmm. um, and I really liked Gossip Girl, and I really liked Blake Lively in it. But then her movie career to me has been very miss. If mm-hmm. Gossip Girl was hit, mm-hmm. um, she's good in this. Because uh, like The Shallows was not a good movie, and it's almost not her fault because she has no one to act with, so it's like her just monologuing and looking stressed out the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and you know becoming friends with Steven Seagal, uh, which is the name of the seagull that lands <laughs> on the rock with her. <laughs> that's that's great. Don't kick my stool. Sorry, kick the stool. Uh, Anna Kendrick's good too. I mean, she's playing Anna Kendrick. She's doing the Anna Kendrick thing. I'm plucky. She's she's making cup stacks. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's also weird to me that, separate point, that Blake Lively is now considered old enough by Hollywood standards to be a mom with a child. Uh, When I when I I remember her as like a you know a high school student Mm -hmm. in New York City going to private school, Mm -hmm. like that doesn't feel that long ago. Even though I know I jumped on the GG train late, um, just insane. Hollywood beauty standards are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I recommend it. It's a clever movie, and it's also, it's just like I said, it's a light movie where um, I would I would definitely recommend it to throw in between some like Oscar watches for you or something. Like okay. it's it's a a nice hour and forty five minutes or so where you just uh, nice break. You, you can just be entertained and not you know. Not think it's uh, uh, it's it's good. It's fun. Um, also, speaking of good and fun, I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. Cool. Ooh. Have y'all seen that? I have not, not yet. caught up with it yet. Uh, some sneaky like entries and some top tens for some podcasts I follow. I can see it. I think the movie's uh, it has a few flaws, which I'll hit on first, just because I like to finish on a happy note. Mm-hmm. Um. The movie's a little too long. It's like two and a half hours. Wow. Oof. And uh, it's it really doesn't have enough going on to quite justify that running time. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never really boring. It's just after a certain point, you start to feel like uh, like you've seen a few things before. So there's a lot of it's about um, four four people who arrive at the El Royale to check in for the night. They all have some manner of secret and it just so happens that due to circumstances all the secrets sort of come out and whatnot and uh hmm. i bet they're interlinked um <laughs> and so some events happen but then you you see how things transpired from different points of view yeah. it's a fun it's a fun premise and setup where Something will happen. A character you didn't even know was was there is somehow involved, and then you get to go back and see it from their perspective. But there's a little too much overlap for me of that, which is just it felt like a, a season four of Arrested Development, which was uh, lots of way yeah. too recursive kind of. Yeah, like you, you kept coming back to the same things from different perspectives, and uh, um, so that's really about, about my only criticism. But the movie's fun. It has fun. It's a, it's a good cast. Um, Who's the standout in it? The standout, I need to look her name up because I did not know her. Because it is an insane cast. Cynthia Erivo? Cynthia Erivo is fantastic. Um, 
she uh, she plays a uh, Motown singer named Darlene Sweet. So this mm-hmm. is set in the um, thing in late '60s or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges, so he's never never bad. Yeah. Uh, Dakota Johnson's in it. She's she's solid enough. John Hamm's fine. Chris Hemsworth has a lot of fun in his role. I, from the previews, I think he's very shirtless. Very sh- very shirtless. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> and so uh, time stamping that so TJ remembers to keep it in <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah but it's 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 a it's a kind of exactly what you want it to be in that regard of just like in that the Tarantino comparisons are, are obvious and easy mm-hmm. because it's a a movie with uh, unique characters guns and a, a fun soundtrack and a chronological or non-chronological yep. timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there uh, each each character gets their own flashback, so to lead to like what uh, what led them mm-hmm. to the El Royale. Okay. Sort of. um, and uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's I had a lot of fun with the movie. Um, again, I wish it could have been about twenty minutes shorter, but it's a it's nitpicking. Hmm. Um, cool. I need to check it out. It's the same director as uh, it's. Drew Goddard, who did uh, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, nice! It's his first. It's his second movie wow. that he directed. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, and I was looking into him, and I was like, man, I like all these flashbacks. What's this guy done before? Oh, he wrote for Lost. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> and then uh, I'm gonna finish up. Well, before I before I do, I want to mention that um, I'm not gonna talk about it on the podcast, but uh, I saw Aquaman. I'm gonna be writing a, a review for that on the website because that needs that needs to be addressed. Aquaman <laughs> Aquaman broke the way I watch movies, <laughs> and maybe it saved the way I watch movies. I don't know. <laughs> Look forward to that. Aquaman has a shot at both my top ten and bottom five of the year. That's all. That that is my review of Aquaman. Nice. Um, uh, the last movie I watched, I think you guys have seen this. Uh, to all the boys I've loved before, yeah, yeah, the Netflix movie from uh, last year, The Charmer. First off, I'm so happy when I see John Corbett on a screen. Uh, that's <laughs> what I realized uh, during this movie. I was, I had to pause it. I was like, John Corbett, what's he been up to? And I looked him up, and he's delightful. This whole movie is delightful. Yeah, I love yeah. this movie. It was just <clears throat> so sweet and completely formulaic in every way. Like in that like old old high school movies, but mm-hmm. generations need their own versions of those yeah. movies. It does, and it, it does it well enough, too. I think it does a great job of it, and so I really don't, you know, hold that against it too much. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like it was like when we watched and talked about Love, Simon. It's it's very similar plot to Love, Simon. I saw this described as Love, Simon for straight people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's great, yeah. It's... Uh, I was apparently way behind uh, the curve on this because I was... It was a, like, in the summer, it was kind of a mini-phenomenon. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, I did not hear about it except from you guys. And so I had no idea that it was uh, one of Netflix's hits of the year. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. Well, you're probably not hanging out with a lot of teenage girls. <laughs> <Like> besides <laughs> us, big... Uh, you never know. Teenage- oh, Brent, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Rewind back to uh, my comments about Gossip Girl. Uh, movies for like teenage teenagers or like aimed at that demo. Like I, 
I will suspend my current life experience to try and relate to. Um, and I was a big big fan of this when it came out, especially like the lead. I don't remember her name. I don't either. Lana Condor, I think. Or yes, it Laura is. Laura Condor. Laura Condor. Yeah, she's really good. She she was really good in that movie. Yeah, the whole the whole cast is is good. I mean, it's not you know amazing acting going on, but it's a it's a it's a good cast for for what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm excited uh, to see what uh, some of that cast does next. And I think the author that does that did that book has like other books in that series. Well, apparently Netflix is uh, planning a sequel called "P.S. I Still Love You." Hmm. So, All right. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that'll entail, but uh, but that's it. And hopefully by the time you hear this, I'll have the uh, Aquaman review up. So uh, go check out Aquaman. I'll, I'll, yeah, I will definitely just just go go to go to the loudest theater you have near you and go see Aquaman. <laughs> Uh, David, what you been watching? Uh, still trying to catch up on uh, beefing up my 2018 list. So I'm doing all 2018 movies, no TV shows. Um, suck at TV. <laughs> get, get out of here, TV. Get out of here. Get on. Uh, the first thing I saw, I think only one of us has seen so far, I saw Leave No Trace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's on Amazon Prime now. Yes, yeah, now yeah. on Prime. Yeah. I, I rented it like t- the day before <laughs> on Amazon Prime. It's like I want my money back. <laughs> but I, uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was great. Um, um, Chris, you'd seen it, right? Yeah. Is this Lynn? No, uh, Deborah Granick. Deborah Granick, who did Winter's Bone. Right. Mm-hmm. Is this her first movie since Winter's Bone? I believe, yeah, first narrative movie. I yeah. think she did a doc since okay. then, but. And she should have way more opportunities. The direction of that is phenomenal. Yeah. I thought it would either be one of two things, like either well-worn territory, because it seemed kind of Captain Fantastic-y to me. You know, raising a... It's it's about an um, uh, ex-soldier who has PTSD, Ben Foster, who is tamping down his sociopathy and <laughs> his, his psychopath role. He's very, actually, tender and quiet during this yeah. movie. And he's got a daughter... Um, I forget about her Thomas in... Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah, her name is Tom in it. Yeah, and she's Tom in it. Uh, for a real Tony Danza thing, and who's the boss? <laughs> you know, that touchdown. Because <laughs> his name was Tony. Yeah. Um, Thank God we don't know. <laughs> All of our listeners are 30 plus. Yeah, everybody knows that. Um, uh, but, yeah, he's raising her. Uh, the mother had uh, passed away, or is just not in the picture. Yeah. And they kind of just live their life on this public park in Oregon. And then their kind of way of life, their status quo is kind of threatened when they're discovered by... Jogger. Jogger, which leads to authorities um, kind of intervening in their little, you know, their precious um, their precious little way they live life. And then the movie goes on from there. Um, I thought it was a, it was a beautiful movie. Thompson McKenzie's incredible. Yeah. Like, nice. she's getting a lot of, some nominations for, like, Breakthrough Actress and stuff. Yeah, and she deserves it. Yeah. She, she's she's amazing. The, the, the movie's so humane and so sensitive to these characters, too. No one is trying to, um, not to spoil it, but no one ever in the movie is trying to destroy them or make their life tough. Right. Or everyone, take her away from him. Yeah. Everyone tries uh, to do the right thing. It's just it's not the thing they have in mind. So in that sense, it's a you know it's a real interesting movie. There's mm-hmm. not really any bad guys in it, 
other than kind of um, the jogger. Yeah, I guess the jogger. <laughs> but even he's just trying to do the you know the right thing. He saw some young girl like in the woods, like just like caught a glimpse of her and was, like asked her if she needed help and she didn't respond. So do you call the cops? Do you not call the cops? Like the the threshold for like bad choice in don't call the cops is way higher than call the cops. Mm-hmm. And just the, the filmmaking is very, very beautiful. I think we say some cinematography things are cheating. It's yeah. like Alaska or like, you know, frozen uh, tundra and, uh, you know, western expanses that's cheating. I think now Oregon forests is now... <laughs> I mean, they're filming in a national park. Like, at some point we decided that we're going to preserve that space. <laughs> like, yeah, it's... it's I, I thought it was... It's really good. There's no, like, highfalutin critique of, you know, the system with regards to... I, I guess the only one is with, like, uh, uh, the way that veterans are treated is really the only um, kind of jab in the movie. Uh, you know, the way that they make their money is Ben Foster is selling the pills that he was prescribed by the VA to other veterans who are in a similar situation. Um, but that's really about the only barb the movie has. Other than that, it's 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 pretty welcoming. Yeah, very much so. And like I said, very humane, and I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've seen two things I don't think anyone has seen yet, unless I've missed it on a previous watch list. Um, first one I saw was uh, Skate Kitchen. Okay. I don't know what that is. So it just it was it's available on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's I think the directorial de- debut of a female director, Crystal Moselle. But uh, it's about skateboarding. It's a. I was saying it's like a bumper crop of skateboarding movies. So here. yeah. With this, minding the gap, mid '90s, you know, a whole bunch of skating movies. Um, this is told from kind of the female skater perspective, and it, it centers on um, uh, Camilla or Camille. She's a kind of a Latina skater, you know, a teen in New York City, and she's kind of off. You know, she's not in the city, and she follows these skaters' Instagrams, and they say they're going to meet at a skate park, and then she starts to find people that are like her. And, you know, everybody has... It's not as probing as Binding the Gap, but you shouldn't expect something to be that probing. Is it a doc or a... It's a, it's a narrative. Narrative, okay. Yeah. So all these uh, skaters, you know, they use skating as a form of freedom and as a form of community. So they especially have this this niche group of uh, female skaters that have to chase off uh, male skaters who are apparently very aggressive and dominant when it comes to skate parks and will kind of edge them out. So mm-hmm. that's why they kind of have these, not a survival group, but they kind of ha- have this, uh, you know, they travel in packs so that they can defend each other. And they can, uh, you know, if someone tells them to, you know, piss off or you know, throws their skateboard out of the way, you know, they'll kind of... Uh, Retaliate against them and is, all kind of bond. Is that group called the Skate Kitchen? Uh, it may be. <laughs> but I think that's the name of the uh, the Instagram. That I was going to say that's the, that's the name of the movie. Yeah, it's also the name. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah, of course, I think true, that's true, true. The name of the movie. <laughs> so uh, a lot of great skating in it. It also has uh, Jaden Smith in it. Oh, he's pretty good. Jaden Smith isn't a bad actor. He's just a bizarre human being. Yeah. He's 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 actually he's actually pretty good, yeah. 
Um, the movie goes down some... It's very coming of age for this person is very sheltered and very alone and shy. She kind of opens up within the group. Then there's some dynamics within the group. But, um, yeah, good good skate stuff. You know, interesting human story. Um, not too much beyond the surface from that. So it's not really... I wouldn't recommend it as a great movie. But if you're uh, wanting to keep keep grinding on them skate movies this year, you know, you could do worse. So I will ask you to compare it to Mining the Gap in one way. Uh, how does the cinematography of skating match up to Mining the Gap? Mining the Gap is way better. <laughs> yeah. Those are my favorite scenes. Those might be my favorite scenes of the year from any movie. Yeah. The the gliding behind the skaters in Mining the Gap is one of the scenes of the year. Yeah. It's the, the intro scene for that. Um, but they do do have some interesting stuff. Nice. Um, in it and a lot of there's a lot of skating in it a lot of skate tricks and just being behind skaters as they pull off tricks or go up ramps or do these you know edgy things (laughs) 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 well it's like uh, I think the main character gets injured is one of the first things in the movie so if you keep skating you'll you'll re-injure it there's a little bit of a, a rider thing <laughs> so there. It's like the rider. Well, she's really good at taming skateboards. <laughs> yeah. At one point, does she does she tell someone else, "I'm like the skateboard." Yeah, her skateboard. The skateboard ends up is me. Going through a fence, <laughs> and she has to stomp it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Lu- lukewarm uh, thing. I I enjoyed it. Nice, but not not too much on the bone there. And the last movie I saw uh, was really great, uh, The Death of Stalin. Oh, cool! It's on my short. I need to. It's one of the movies I'm making a point to watch before top ten time because yeah, that was also that was another early year release that I think I lost because I was so frazzled from the the sprint that we had in 2017. I didn't realize how beloved it was by critics until recently. It's like over 90 on Metacritic, which is rare territory. Yeah, and it's showing up in a lot of top 10 lists. I think uh, Tasha Robinson had it at number 2, maybe? Nice. Or maybe I'm mixing up the the, uh, reviewer or whatever, but um, it's set during the the actual death of Stalin, so you have people playing uh, Khrushchev. Uh, Steve Buscemi is Nikita Khrushchev, <laughs> and then you have other people who are in the uh, the communist uh, the uh, yeah the communist party, the ruling party at that time, kind of jockeying for power. And it is an Armando Iannucci movie, so it's played for the farce that right. that is. So in that one respect, that uh, it's the humor and the the barbs and the the quick wit and all that stuff reminds me of Veep and In the Loop and uh, the thick of it, all that stuff. But it's also very uh, it's a lot more caustic than those movies because they have realistic. Um, I don't know, I don't know about realistic, but realized violence from the uh, Soviet Party at that time. So you have people being taken into gulags, people getting shot by by guards, you have people being set on fire in town squares. All mixed it's a crazy tone management that this movie does. <laughs> all mixed with like people joking about, you know, someone's dressed in all white, so he looks like a snow king. <laughs> they, they make fun of him. But I think it's that's kind of the point though, is that they're worried about this stuff and there's, you know, horrifying uh, violence and atrocities going on around them. And um Obvious, you know, political ties to this time with Russia and kind of 
jockeying for power and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi's incredible in it. He's great. There's this actor, Simon Russell Beale, who I'd never heard of before, who plays... Uh, um, I forgot the guy's name. He's like the Minister of Defense there, mm-hmm. and he is just, like, repulsive and pretty hilarious. He's great in it. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. It's a little interesting to see him after the whole scandal, but he's pretty good as a doofus. Yeah. Um, Michael Palin's in it from Monty Python. Oh, great. <laughs> it's got this funny thing about, you know, he said, uh, they took his wife off to the gulag to be killed because he was uh, awful to Stalin, but then uh, she wasn't actually killed. So he, like, the Minister of Defense brings him back to get him on his side. And she's like, she's a treacherous wench. And then she's like, and she's right here. He's like, and I love her. (laughs) he's still coming to grips with it. And it's like, and I can't believe her betrayal. (laughs) It's like, but all that was made up. He's like, yes, but Stalin did not like her. It's just (laughs) stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, I I found it very funny. Nice. And very, uh, you know, very interesting. Would recommend What's it uh, streaming on? Is it on Showtime? Uh, I rented it. Okay. Uh, it may be it may be starting to hit hit a stream here. It's there. on one of the services. I can't remember which. Maybe it's on Epics. I don't know. I'm not sure. Chris is going to get that information for us. Death of a Salesman. Oh, it's Showtime. 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 So if you have a if you have Showtime access, go watch that. It's also on. Yeah, but it's got a great cast. Um, also, uh, Jason Isaacs, who's like the, uh, the bad kid's dad in Harry Potter. (laughs) The bad kid's dad. (laughs) That sounds like a movie that's, uh, that I don't want to (laughs) see. Bad kid's dad's. It's like the seventh sequel to Bad Moms. A bad kid's dad's Christmas, too. (laughs) (laughs) He's got an amazing, they all have these kind of intros where you, they tell who, who the person is and who, uh. You know uh, what what they did or what their role is, and he's got a great one. He gets revealed at a party. Everyone gets revealed in slow motion, with like their little Chiron. He's got a great thing. He's a uh, the field marshal for the Soviet troops. He's got this great uh, moment where as soon as he comes in the party, it's like who's who's like dick dropped to suck to get some libations here or some <laughs> drinks, and then he like. Like, throws his shoulders off, and his giant cape comes off, and he's, like, full of metals that are just going... <laughs> and it's all in slow motion. It's like, that's pretty badass. Nice. But that's all. Better don't. I'm good shit. <laughs> uh, Chris, what you been watching? So, I'm going to start... Normally, I peter off with whatever new game I'm playing, but I'm going to start with it this time. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of, you know, like David, a lot of year-end lists mm-hmm. and been including some video game uh, podcasts in that. And I heard a recommendation that I don't think really made a lot of lists, but uh, really piqued my interest. It is a game that I heard parrots uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night style. Um, and people criticize slash praise the game for being a little too close of a ripoff. Uh, to Symphony of the Night, mm-hmm. uh, and to me that was that really cashed the check. So I looked it up, did, bought it, downloaded it, and been playing it. The game is called Time Spinner. Mm. Um, it's a neat little game. Uh, it's a in the Metroidvania style, which is a phrase I've used here a lot because I like those games. Um, but I'm about 
an hour and a half into it, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's a nice break between all of the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you say that? Because I just last night on Steam looked if Symphony of the Night was available, and then I <laughs> saw Time Spinners, and I added it to my uh, my little watch list or the wish list. Yeah, I think it's only like five bucks or something. It's it's when I bought it, it was fifteen, um, but it's it's so far well worth it. I mean, it's got. Not selling Stefan, but it's got everything that you'd expect from uh, from Symphony of the Night, um, including like a like a relic system that you can turn on and off. One of them shows enemy names when you're fighting them, mm-hmm. um, but it's got a cool time travel mechanic in it, where uh, you are going back and forth between past and present, and you know, burning down vines in the past, in the future, or in the present. Then will make that pathway open. And those like pretty classic uh, like gated progress mechanics from similar games, uh, but I'm really liking it so far. Uh, it'll probably be another game that I play like 20 hours and never finish, um, but yeah, I'd recommend it. Other than that, uh, I watched three movies mm. from 2018. Uh, one of them, another early release, and I'll start with it because uh, I was so high on the original, meant to catch it in theaters. Stars a Star Wars boy now. Uh, I saw Pacific Rim Uprising. Ah, starring Jake Lloyd. <laughs> uh, starring John Boyega. Ah, um, as uh, Idris Elba's son. Uh, and it's man, Pacific Rim the original is such a fun movie and does such a good job. In like the John Wick style of just like, here's a short intro into the universe, and that's it. We're not going to answer any questions. You're not here for the plot. We're not talking about like like what like the like the morality is or the like development of drifting any of that. You're just going to go. Um, it's an intriguing world that's like instantly built for you. Yeah, and I don't think that the second movie has that. I don't think it's as interesting. Um, but the the basic plot is, you know, in the first one they close the rift, the kaiju menace is gone. In the second one, uh, you know, there's not really any need for the Jaegers, but they still kind of keep like a defense force around, um, and they're worried that there will be a second coming or another rift that opens up, and so they're building uh, autonomous drone Jaegers um, in case something opens up, and you know, hijinks ensue, kaiju get through. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but it takes a long time to get there. There really isn't much robot fighting until an hour in, uh, which is too long for a Pacific Rim movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the first one, I wasn't there for Charlie Hunnam's acting. I was there for the robots. Yeah, no. And there's, uh, there's a really weak performance out of a young actress, which is upset, which is... It, I don't mean to like dogpile on her, but like, it, she's really bad. Uh, she plays kind of John Boyega's understudy, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I didn't put together what Idris Elba's full name is until watching this, but it's uh, Striker Pentecost. <laughs> uh, because they started calling Boyega's character Pentecost, and I'm like, is that like some new title that they like give out for people in like the Jaeger Rangers? It's like, no, that's just a terrible character name for the first movie that they have to carry through. Um, sorry, Stoker Pentecost. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's not very good. Um, Charlie Day gets neutered in a way that I kind of hate. Um, normally, Charlie Day gets to play this like kind of like crazy, yeah. you manic, know, like fifth day on a meth bender character, yeah. and the, a plot device forces him to play kind of calm and cool, mm. and it sucks. Why do you hire? Why do you get Charlie Day? Because because he was in the first one. I mean, uh, it's 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 Charlie Day and Burn Gorman are the two uh, lead scientists, the people who drive the plot, both in the first one and in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just because you know with the technological innovations, like how can we beat them? They're linchpins in that. So yeah, talking about neutering Charlie Day, at, like the. The, the role I think of is uh, Jack Black in Enemy of the State, which is like, why is... Although that was before Jack Black was a star, but uh, it would be like getting him to do that movie now, which is just right. like, like mm-hmm. you have all this available to you. You have this like ball of energy yeah. available to you. And he's just like a computer tech. And you put it in a box. Yeah. yeah, even if you've only seen like Goosebumps, like you know like, oh, he can do over the top. Yeah, I could have played his role in Enemy of the State. He does nothing except just react to things on a screen. Right. You would have done a good job. I would have done a great job in that role. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pseudogram Uprising, it's not a surprise that it's not a terrific movie. Um, but I was so high on the first one that you know mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it's a hot take that I did not like the sequel. Uh, other than that, and I'm surprised that I'm the only person to bring this to the table because uh, it's like meme of the week. Uh, I watched Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten around to it. Well, I'll I won't say anything about it. I'll just say watch it. It is good. Um, I didn't read the book, so I'm not interested to hear people who read the book have to say about it. TJ, <clears throat> I uh, I have the book and I've I've started it. That's the only thing that's pausing me. It's like maybe I'll finish the book before I watch this. That's probably not going to happen. It'll take you more time to finish the book than to just watch it, and it's good. So. I would recommend watching it. Um, it's another thing that, that, that it's like, watch it, don't ask questions, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's a ride. Um, one of the characters is going down a river for the majority, or for half of the film. Treat it like that. Go, go, go down the river with her and experience the, the crazy world in Bird Box. Did you do a Bird Box challenge afterwards? I don't know what that is. I don't either. I think it's like a viral thing where you do something with a blindfold. And do you have to trap a bird in a box? <laughs> like, you have to go out into your nature area near you? Yeah. And your uh, nature area. It's it's where you get a bucket of birds and you, or a box of birds and you pour them on your head. It's for, it's for some research. It's sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. You have to get yeah. two birds to box with one another. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Motivating them is the hard part. <laughs> But you get there. But yeah, I you know it, it came out fairly recently. It's uh, it's it is uh, talked about enough that I want to save discussion of it until more of you guys have seen it because I do have thoughts, um, but I want to be able to exercise them freely. Sure. Yeah. It is a it is a phenomenon right now. Yeah. Netflix came out and said that uh, I think within the first couple of days, forty five million people watched it. Which is kind of nuts. 
Yeah. Because um, they never release numbers, and that's an insane amount of people. Yeah. If you translate that to, like, individual tickets sold at, at even, like, a moderate national average of $10, that's a $450 million opening weekend. Like, that's, that's really good. Yep. Except... Because it's on Netflix, the the barrier to entry is a lot lower. So, yeah, that's true. Going to a movie theater, but but it's still eyeballs on that kind of movie that kind of no other movie besides like Black Panther and stuff can compare mm-hmm. to. Yeah, and like Infinity War. Yeah, um, I think one of I think like uh, uh, Variety Fair or someone or some article was or a publication was challenging it. Like, does that just mean it was it started playing in the auto preview and did that count? And they said it's if people that at least watch 75% of it. That's oh, like wow. legit. Uh, yeah. If it's true and no one can ever verify it, it's, it's crazy numbers. Yeah. And that's also kind of, is that like the first that we've, that we've heard about how Netflix calculates if you've watched something for their like, the seventy-five percent completion of a movie, I think, is the first time I've ever heard anything from it's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, if people just accuse them of that, I think Netflix just ignored them. Yeah, this is the first time they've really kind of qualified it. Yeah, because if if you're listening and you're unaware, Netflix is very cloak and daggers about uh, its its numbers and its like its ratings for shows, mm-hmm. um, and only rarely like the Christmas Prince the one person who'd seen it 27 times oh, yeah. <laughs> only rarely kind of like opens the door so it is fun to hear that that bird box they've, they've got some metrics out there um but yeah it's good it's 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 worth the watch you know S- sandy b is always entertaining um she's she's got chops yeah i've seen a lot of uh <laughs> apparently bird box is popular with younger people as mm-hmm. well and uh i've seen some uh, i've seen a lot of uh, internet memes and uh, people getting upset at people calling her that woman from Bird Box. <laughs> They're like, she was in While You Were Sleeping, damn it. Dude, she is not that lady from Bird Box. <laughs> Show her some respect. I just like, uh, there's a scene from uh, The Blind Side where uh, they put a blindfold on the Michael Orr stand-in and they walk him out because they got him a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the <laughs> meme that I've seen. That it's the Bird Box prequel. <laughs> um, but that's good. But the m- main movie I want to talk about is uh, if Bill Street could talk. What nice. would it say? It would say that it's hard being a young black person trying to start a relationship when you're in prison or your partner's in prison. <laughs> Or at least that's what it would say right now. But the price is right. A little bit. That's Um But yeah, it's really good. This is, you know, Barry Jenkins' uh, follow-up to Moonlight. Yeah. Um, and everything that people are saying about it is right. Um, it's, it's a very heartwarming, touching movie. About young love in a community that is divisive without any outside help. Mm-hmm. Um, Regina King is the matriarch of this family who is kind of more 
blue collar working class and her daughter. I need to get fucking names instead Kiki, of just saying like the this. actress Kiki Lane, I think. Yeah, so Kiki Lane plays Tish Rivers. They're more of a blue collar family. Um, the father Joseph kind of reveals that he has a background in crime, and it's kind of how he paid for uh, Tish and her sister um, when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she falls in love with uh, Fani, uh, played by uh, Stephen James, and he's from like a uh, not more well-to-do, but you can tell by the clothes, like a little richer. But he's distanced himself from the family, mm-hmm. um, and the whole movie sets off. From the point where she finds out she's pregnant and tells both families that, that she's pregnant mm-hmm. with Fawny's kid and wants to keep the child. Um, and so it kind of tells the story forward and backward from there of uh, when they met and when, and then like ultimately what happens to them uh, when he's in prison. Uh, it's kind of refreshing. You don't ever really find out what he did to land up in prison you just know that there's oh well you do actually but like there's never like a like a dramatization of it or they never show you what happens you just you you hear kind of that a woman uh was uh beaten and raped in front of the entryway of her uh house and identified him and Kind of the the police nudged her in that direction, mm. um, and maybe because Fawny had an interaction with a cop that was less than ideal, um, but it's it doesn't really dwell on the like crime and punishment aspect of it. Mm. It's more about these two young lovers and their story of romance and falling in love and doing whatever they can to be together, mm. um, kind of before anything happens. That's very interesting. From the previews, like, besides looking gorgeous, it also looked like it may be a little miserableist, a little torture porny with, with some of the jail stuff. Um, you know, variably so from the time period and the, you know, the racist cops and all that, but interesting that it focuses on that aspect. Yeah, it's and it's really, I mean, you don't get any shots inside prison, really. I mean, you'll get some kind of long shots of Fani in his cell, but there's no, like, prison politics aspect to it. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you really get is on the other side of the glass during, um, you know, visitation. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the only time you see in the actual prison, which is is nice. Um, But it's very beautifully shot, obviously. Um, I don't remember Barry Jenkins' cinematographer. James Laxton, I think. Yeah, I think... That's right from when we talked about that last week, I think. Yeah. Um, but very beautifully shot. Uh, the I, I randomly noticed the uh, costuming. You know, it's set in the '80s um, in a neighborhood in New York. Um, it begins with a you know an, an intro from uh, uh, an intro describing that Beale Street is anywhere is any black neighborhood in America. That's, you know, Beale Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the, the, the costumes, like, there's there's so much of uh, Fawny and Tish just wearing, like, primary colors and just standing out against the backgrounds in which they're shot. Um, but I really enjoyed Beale Street. I think it'll probably make it on, make its way into my top ten. 
it's a little slow, um, so it's it's certainly not going to fight Moonlight uh, for best Barry Jenkins or really for you know best movie of the year mm-hmm. um, by comparison. I was talking before we started recording. You know, Moonlight had this uh, this great you know, frame that it was a story told, uh, uh, you know, buildings Roman told in three acts, and, and that kind of broke up the quiet scenes and the slower-paced nature of the story it was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have that. It does occur over a period of time that is, you know, is, is unenumerated, uh, which is not a criticism of it, but because of that, it does feel a little... A little slow, unnecessarily so. Um, especially when you see that you know the artist with his craft and tools uh, can really do a great job at telling a a small, quiet story really efficiently and pace really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Tyree Henry is in this, and he has a fantastic scene um, that occurs just over the dinner table, talking to Stephen James's uh, character, um, and he's described as you know. That guy who you don't see often when you see him, he's like big and your best friends again. Um, and he, he just always is the life of the party. And his scene where he talks about how he just got out of prison and how like prison is, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like don't believe anything anyone ever says about it. It's hard. There's no making it through not changing. And he's just, he's really good. I really like Brian Terry Henry. If you don't know the name, he's, you know, paper boy from Atlanta. Um, but yeah, he's fantastic. I recommend Beale Street. Yeah, I've heard people say that that scene is a standout. Yeah. I think he's only in one scene, or maybe two scenes, and he just kills it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Regina King is great. Um, the opening half hour is probably the best part of the movie, and then another spike at the Brian Tyree Henry scene, um, which, which might lead to some of my criticisms of it being a little slow. Um, peaks peaks early, and not often. But that's Beale Street. Cool. Um, do we let's let's talk about mood, not movies, news. Let's talk about news. Let's talk about nudies. <laughs> let's talk about moves. <laughs> uh, Breezy on the streets. Breezy. Breezy. So I'm gonna start off with some personal news. I finally canceled Movie Pass. Uh, yeah. Um, Guest of the podcast, Al, told me that uh, Midtown's not doing e-ticketing anymore. Yeah. And so that was the only theater that was still tethering me to MoviePass. Mm-hmm. And with it no longer doing that, I, I don't want to play the MoviePass games of what movie can I go see today. Right. So The only... Uh, uh, TJ also very uh, recently canceled MoviePass. Um, we went to go see... Beale Street, mm-hmm. and Kelly and I opened up Movie Pass. We logged in, we clicked our tickets, and everything went off without a hitch. And then TJ and Cass tried to do it, and it was like, "There's no showtimes at this theater." <laughs> and we knew that to be demonstrably false, <laughs> uh, and so he canceled it as well. Yeah. Um. So, are you moving to an alternative, or are you kind of going to wait and see? Not for now. I'm. I'm. I've got my eye on the AMC deal uh, because I could go to Phipps for for regular movies, and then 
if I could talk myself into going like once a week up to the the Dolby Cinema because I think you get that without you any do. extra cost. You mm-hmm. get you get everything with A list and AMC is A list is three movies a week. Three movies a week, which is basically unlimited movies. You, yeah, I can't possibly go see that many movies. Yeah. So, um, it's, yeah, it's tempting because if I could if I could justify making the trip to for the Dolby Cinema, which is a twenty dollar ticket, um, then. That's already paid for itself, and all the all the other movies are are bonuses. Yeah, per month. I I have such a hard time with that price point because our AMC theater. If we go to a so I pay for the Stubbs premiere list, which is you know doesn't include any free movies, but like you can buy tickets online and not pay processing fees. You can you get discounts at concessions and you build points and I'm a big fan of building points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make your money pay more, or make your money worth more, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but like, I can't at twenty dollars a month going to this theater where it can be three dollars and seventy five cents for going to yeah. a matinee. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard enough for Kelly and I to go see two movies every month. Mm-hmm. That at three. Having this, like, we would have to make four to make that price pay for itself. Right. And at that point, are we just forcing ourselves to go to more movies right. than we want to? And then is it still fun to go to the movies? Because um, Cinema is what I'm looking into right now, which I think will wind us wind up around fifteen dollars a month, and it's three and it's three a month. Okay. Um, but I've heard that the Cinema structure is a little strange. So, we're still riding the movie pass wave since it's still letting us do whatever we want with it. Yeah, and I don't mind going to North Cab for the, the the cheap tickets too. But um, oddly enough, Phipps is closer to me. Yeah, it, it's just a theater I always forget that's there, but it's a really nice theater. Um, Love that theater. But yeah, if Regal would only do something. Yeah, I would. I would. I would do that Regal. All right, so what else do we have in the news? Uh, quick hit. We looked it up uh, when we got here. Uh, the PGA nominations came out. That's right. The golfer of the year. Who's <laughs> it going to be? It's going to be Kevin Feige. Yeah, so this is producer of the year. This is the, I believe it's only the second guild coming out with nominations. Um, for their, they, they come up with like a top ten. Um, but these people actually vote on the actual Oscars. They, these people in the producers guild so these their their opinions are a little bit of a forecast correct i think last year every movie besides wonder woman was nominated and they had 11 in last year Mm. no because there's only nine wonder woman and something else got left out i forget but it, it was a crazy uh crazy amount of movies that were in there is that pretty typical or no yeah usually they'll have like one that's not there okay um, but so so their 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 top ten they call it the the outstanding producer, um, but it's it's their best picture basically. Right. Um, it's Black Panther, Black Klansman, Black Rhapsody. Oh, sorry, Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, A Quiet Place, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. So among the producers listed, who's your favorite uh, rando producer this year? Because I think mine is Michael Bay for A Quiet Place. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, that's crazy. I like Nick Vallelonga in Green Book. That he, that's the brother of Tony Lip. Uh, uh, he, he was he has a production credit for the movie about his bro. 
I like that we have Jason Bloom again. I didn't know he was a producer for Black Klansman. Jordan Peele as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Peele makes well, more I'd sense. I've heard about that. Yeah. I think he was originally going to direct it, maybe. Or originally write it or something. Um, that list looks like a lot of other lists that we've seen. Uh, nice to see Crazy Rich Asians get some... I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but it's... You know. I mean, it was nice. a phenomenon. It's a yeah. lovely movie. And it's just interesting that, like, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Crazy Rich Asians... In a quiet place. Black Panther, Black Klansman, and Stars Born all also got SAG nominations too. Mm. And the other um, other guild where it's actually part of the Academy. So it could be some. Str- I can't believe Bohemian Rhapsody is potentially a Best Picture, but it's kind of shaping up that way so far. It's like the um, um, darkest hour of this year, where it's, which was like everyone was talking about the performance leading up to the movie coming out, and then it's just become sort of a. I assume Bohemian Rhapsody was a commercial success. Yeah, yeah very much it's a so. hit. Yeah, Darkest Hour was a hit, and you know it just starts. It just keeps popping up on in categories where we didn't quite expect it. Although I, I think Darkest Hour was less of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, it's I I would be surprised if Bohemian Rhapsody was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I I, I can understand it here because the producers understand the challenge of. A difficult director was jettisoned from the movie, and they continued, and it made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that that's like a feat. I think last year they may have nominated uh, all the money in the world for a similar reason of mm-hmm. like just the producing feat of doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 happy to see uh, Crazy Rich Asians and A Quiet Place on there. I'm hoping that A Quiet Place can hang through and get a Best Picture nom. It'd be fun. Yeah. And Black Panther's still gathering all that steam. That momentum to break, break the uh, break the ceiling. I mean, I, th- I think that, that uh, when I logged into Letterboxd to create uh, Uprising, uh, their their lead article right now is uh, uh, two top critics rank the best, the worst, and Black Panther. <laughs> um, it, is, it is really something else this award season, and uh, I'm excited to see what it does. The interesting missing here is Beale Street, though. It, it missed its SAG, too. Yeah, I, I, I wonder I wonder if there's, a, there's a, if there's a story that's not being told. Um, if they're not playing well with the guilds, if they're not partying, if they're not campaigning, or what they're doing. Because um, it could be any number of reasons. Or, or you know, it could just be that they, they didn't send screeners. They, they did not care they'll wait for um the four-year consideration screeners for the oscars to make their way around um yeah also interesting here no mary poppins which kind of had a boost from the previous thing but also first man is kind of keeps fading yeah which is crazy from all all the uh steam going into it and it was a good movie right yeah yeah it's really good and that's the thing with with first man like Beale Street, I could kind of understand. It's got you know production design, costume, uh, obviously cinematography, and then a, then at least one you know early favorite for acting. Mm-hmm. First Man has got acting, it's got technical, it's got cinematography, like you know the actual movie making. It it's kind of ticks all three boxes for you know the uh, types of branch that it would get nominated for, uh, which is why it's surprising it's not on here because like I don't. I don't see a movie on this list that did what it did. Right. Um, 
which I know that they don't nominate based on uniqueness alone, but there's a reason why Bohemian Rhapsody is there. And I think that it is the uniqueness of that story and how it was told and its path. Yeah, I still need to catch up with Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's just going to be interesting to me at the end of the day if that's for Best Picture and like Beale Street and First Man aren't. It's just it just seem, they just seem like movies on different levels to me. But Gold, again, I've not seen it. Gold Derby's heads would spin clear off their bodies. <laughs> um, and then they also I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Uh, they have awards for outstanding producer of documentary. Um, for that, we've got the Dawnwall, Free Solo, How. Into the Okavango, RBG, Three Identical Strangers, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. We're all pretty upset that Mind of the Gap's not on there. but The actual best documentary of the year. Yeah. Um, and then for animated, uh, it's Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And that is all. <laughs> I think that was only four, Chris. Oh. Uh, it looks like they listed Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, but I'm not sure why. That's a mistake. That's a... Yeah, they, they made a big mistake there. Um, but yeah, they nominated Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, which is funny because if you take this off, if you take The Grinch off, this is the four that everyone's expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fifth one really is the wild card seat. Maybe the art one or the four in one. Right. You know. Um, but... Yeah, that, them, them's the PGAs. I don't know any of the how well documentary and animated track. Yeah, it's a lot lot uh, less strong predictor in those. Yeah. Um, because most of the documentary, I imagine, those are going to be the people who had the view, who were behind the camera, who created the documentary. Yeah, there's a documentary branch, documentarian branch, that come up with the nominees and then other people vote on it. So it's it's not the same cross section here. Yeah. Of one to one. I think same with uh, animation. Mm. Yeah. Although it looks like it's gonna be pretty close. You never know. Animation branches will they do they do weird shit. It wouldn't surprise me if Ralph breaks the internet drops off there for something else or, or Isle of Dogs or Spider Man Into the Spider Verse wins. Or if it gets left off. Well, I don't that's know. also another uh, Lord and Miller joint where yeah, it had right. really interesting visuals. Yeah, Lego Movie. Yeah, they just they they didn't consider Lego Movie, I guess, pure animation or something. So you never know; they're really idiosyncratic like that. Yeah, I hope they don't do that because from what I've from what I've heard, it's it's a f- great movie. Yeah, really fun. Yeah. Oh, well, anyone got any more breezy? I think that's it. So, what's coming out this weekend? Uh, looks like we've got three movies. Uh, at least this is Just Watch. I know that TJ uses Coming Soon, and it's got like more details and stuff, but this has got pictures. I so, like pictures. I like pictures. So, we've got uh, A Dog's Way Home. This is the next movie from the series of A Dog's Blank. It's the same production company and creators... Kind of like Homeward Bound, but just one dog. Yeah, the trailer gives away this entire movie. I've seen this trailer about a dozen times, and I hate it every time, even more every time I Where see it. Where do I keep seeing it? Is it on Hulu? Are they playing it a lot on, on Hulu? I've seen this over and over again. Wouldn't and surprise me. Yeah. it's They are really, really pushing the trailer for this movie. Um, it looks sweet, but I have also feel like I've already seen it. Yeah, and the trailer shows you that the dog makes it home. So, well, there you go. Thanks. 
Um, you know, that's the thing. People want to know that, though, before they go into the movie theater. Yeah. Some does, people do does, not want to be... There's a website called Does the Dog Die? Mm-hmm. Um, and you go there, and now the list is huge. It used to just be Does the Dog Die? Yes or No. Um, now it's... Because it, that was kind of the funny thing about the website, is you would just go, and then it would just have, like, the answer, and then mm-hmm. that's it, with no explanation. Now it's got, like, are there spiders in it? Does the cat <laughs> die? Like... Like, th- that stuff, which is laughable, but then there's stuff that I, like, didn't think of that is a strange fit for a title of a website like that, where, like, things that could be triggers for people, like, is there sexual violence in this? Mm. Like, is there, like, depicted, like, rape? Mm. Like, that kind of stuff is on there, too, which I think is helpful. Like, is there, you know, like, gay bullying? Mm. But then there's also, like, does somebody fall down a cliff? Like, is there is there feelings of vertigo? That I'm just like, why are you going to the movies? Is there Tom Cruise <laughs> running? That's what I want. Is there knife hands? Um, all right, what else do we have? We've got the Hellboy reboot. Really? Yeah. Starring uh, Sheriff, uh, what's his name from Stranger Things? Yep, Sheriff, what's his name? Oh, Hooper. David Harbour. Uh, also, uh, Mia Jovovich, uh, Ian McShane, uh... Daniel Day, Sasha Lane, all these names rhyme. Ed Scrain. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Alistair <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Petrie is in this movie. I knew this was coming out. I didn't Ooh. know that it was coming out so soon, so I wonder... That's, look at that runtime. It's weird to me, too. Yeah, two and a half hours long. It's a lot of hell. Boy. Um, directed by one of the people who directed... Uh, or worked on The Descent, uh, and that's pretty much it. A couple episodes of Westworld. <laughs> so, interesting to see what this movie is going to be like. I feel like they're kind of rushing it, maybe? I don't know. I've heard that it's been in production for, like, basically all of 2018. Yeah, but... I don't and then now it's suddenly coming out with no ad advertising whatsoever. Yeah. Speaking of no advertising... What else is coming out this weekend? Uh, uh, Ad Astra, the uh, Brad Pitt space mission. Uh, I I've not heard of this movie. It's it's also I thought that Ad Astra was a temporary title. Um, There's like a working title for it. Uh, this is another movie that's. I mean, this is the time of year where people dump movies that yeah, like they. Things didn't don't have go, faith in. Yeah, things did not go to plan on movies coming out in January, early I mean, January. I mean, according to Just Watch, there are still unnamed characters who are in this movie. I'm wondering if this is even a legit... Like, they... I don't know. I mean, the poster looks temporary. Yeah. Um, it's just blue font on a black starry background that says Jan 2019. Um, but... There's no runtime listed. Is this movie actually coming out? That's my question. I'm not sure. It's not on, not to utter First Showing's name, but it's not on First Showing. Actually, neither is Hellboy. I wish that there was a, like, what happened to... Well, I like one lappers. Um, because I completely edited it out. If, if you notice a, a weird jump last in last week's watch list... I completely edited out the long discussion we had about how we couldn't find what happened to the current war. Yeah. Because it was very hard to follow our conversation because we were all discovering in real time why that movie is coming out now and why it didn't come out, you know, six months earlier. 
And this might be a similar uh, situation. I googled it and it looks, says May 2019 for Ad Astra. Weird. Maybe it's coming out in limited release. Oh yeah, here it is, May 24th, 2019. Um, I don't know. Let's take Ad Astra off the list. Well, what about Hellboys? Hellboys, Hellboys says April 2019. So what? Oh, no. Just watch. Get it together, Just Watch. Yeah, maybe this is just, just my my come to Jesus about not using Just Watch anymore. Um, I, I, I refuse to recommend a dog's way home. Will you look up coming soon and tell yeah, me? The other thing that's opening wide is something called Replicas with Keanu Reeves. I'm going to recommend that. Or The Upside. Where oh, Kevin Hart and uh, Brian, and Cranston. Brian Cranston. That is another seemingly feel-good movie that... Uh, kind of grates on the nerves when you see the trailer. It's got one of those moments in the trailer like in a, um, on on the basis of sex where there's supposed to be like a big aha moment. He's like, well, I can't move anything but my neck. And Kevin Hart goes, you can move your mouth. And he goes, well, you can too. <laughs> Feels like it's all turn. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to recommend replicas. <laughs> Scientist becomes obsessed with bringing back his family members who died in a traffic accident. I think I saw that earlier last year, and it was called Rememory, and I liked it then. And so, replicas, I'm going to like it this time. Sure. We can't keep punting and saying catch up on movies from last year. <laughs> this would be the third week in a row. We cannot do it. Recommend replicas or, what was the other one called? Dog's Way Home. No, oh, the yeah. Upside. Dog's Way Home or The Upside. You have to pick oh, one of those man. three. I saw, I saw a trailer for The Upside. It just made me groan a little bit. Saccharin and just... Alright, if this movie's really coming out, replicas. <laughs> I've never heard of this either. It okay. is. Alright. Okay. We've found actual theaters that have agreed to show this movie. So, replicas. <laughs> now it makes it sound badass. <laughs> Finally yeah. found a movie that'll show this thing. <laughs> so now I'm down for replicas. Yeah. Oh, why would the replica? Why would replicas be bad? It's by the guy who who worked on Hollywood Palms, Trader, The Last Stand, The, the Tourist, Tourist, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh. We're locked in. Movies are overrated. Don't go see a movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go watch Aquaman. <laughs> but also don't. Still conflicted. Uh, all right. Well, that was Talky Talk. We are the media bias. We are also. David, thanks for coming. Ooh, yeah. We are also Chris. Thanks for coming. We are Legion. We are also Devo. <laughs> yeah. Are we human? Are we dancer? Uh, you can uh, check our website at mediabias.com. You can engage with us on our Facebook groups at Games by Us, TV by Us, and Movies by Us. We are your friends. Please tweet tweet with us on Twitter at the Media by Us. Please email with us at TheMediaBias at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on the podcasting app of your choice. You can uh, please give us a rating. Um, you know, they offer from five to five stars as options <laughs> for ratings. Mm -hmm. um, so you have all of that at your uh, you know disposal. And uh, last but not least, thank you to the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers! Great theme song. And thank you to Buriva. Buriva. Great outro song. And that's it. Thank you, the listener. Bye-bye. Kicking Bye. rocks. 
down old dusty roads Small town, slow pokes, long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know 